gentlemen, welcome back to these. Go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell, Greg Dutcher. Greg, how you doing today? Doing great. We are on four of originally six, but five podcasts. Now five. Now five. We're not going to mention the guy who uh, dropped us like third period French. <laughs> um, I'm sure it was an oversight, just a busy season yeah. for everybody. But uh, yeah, we have five. Uh, yeah, we've got one. You're right. This is the fourth. Not in the order these are being released. Correct. Uh, yep. But uh, fourth water. I've been, been a great week. Yep. Yep. And actually, uh, the order, we uh, released Steve Hartland by the time we're recording this. Um, and this airs. He would have been the first one. Yep. Uh, Matt Smith is going to join us. He will be uh, the second one that we'll do. Although the uh, last one to interview. Uh, the last one to interview. Yep. The, the miracles of modern technology. Yes. Um, and then Nathan will actually air after that as our third one. Nathan Butterball. That's right. <laughs> Back in studio. Yep. Joining Nathan, us do I... again. We're going to be talking about movies tonight, all Christmas movies. And and I got to ask you, do I have a good movie voiceover? I don't. It, it does. It okay. sounds good. It's good. there. You know, try the inner world. Yes, that's right. Yeah. In, a, in world. a world where <laughs> podcasts are a dime a dozen. We mix it up. I like it. Here's one more. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much our theme. <laughs> We're another one. We'll just throw ourselves in the ring. Very good. Um, and then Rick Phillips joined us yesterday. Um, Excellent. And he will, well, yesterday, our time. Yep. Later next week, viewer time. That will time. Uh, be coming out December the 22nd when yep. viewers hear, or listeners hear that one. And uh, another great one. Just, man, I'll tell you, the uh, insights he had mm-hmm. into Christmas, the the gospels the way we they're preached the way they're presented just just some really great stuff yeah yeah but today today we're talking about movies greg fun this is uh this is always an exciting time for yeah. you and i uh want to turn it over to you nathan a little bit you have a busy december with movies in the year winding down talk to us a little bit about that yeah and actually you guys caught me right in the middle of the last week we have the uh washington dc film critics association that i'm a part of they're getting ready to do their best of the year oh, wow. uh, awards actually this weekend so now we're in the point where all the screeners are coming in and everyone's trying to jam in every movie they can possibly get to us it releases between now and December yeah. minus one movie which you can probably guess <laughs> yes, which one that is yes. that uh, you know I think J.J. Uh, Abrams decided you know we don't need to compete for end of the year awards so <laughs> right. we're just gonna go so there should be a screening coming up for Star Wars but uh, everything else that isn't Star Wars is basically coming across my desk this week wow. for screening so wow. it's kind of you guys in fact um I came from a screening last night. I'm going to a screening uh, tomorrow, and there's one, you know, in the middle of the day on Friday. So this is the the end of it, and it's always the it's kind of the most difficult because you're seeing all these movies, and a lot of times these are the like, the really good movies or the movies that they consider prestigious. Right. And it's difficult because you've sort of spent all summer, sort of you know, wading through movies that are sure. just sort of coming at you, and now you've got. In most cases, some uh, movies that at least have some kind of form of quality, and you're watching them all back to back to wow, back, right, which right, doesn't wow. always doesn't always serve. T- typically, the movie I've seen it like you know ten in the morning fares <laughs> a little bit better than the one I'm trying to like oh, watch. Oh my goodness! And, uh, <laughs> I got to ask you, brother. When we talked to Matt Smith, uh, and that one's going to come out earlier, so we'll we'll have talked about it. Uh, have you seen Creed? Yes, and, and, yes. And I saw it. I, I liked it. I'll just put my. I don't know your thoughts on Creed. I thought it was good. I yeah. thought it was the best Rocky movie in a set, if you want to call it a Rocky movie, mm-hmm. since the first one. Yeah. Uh, 
some people can say that's not necessarily strong competition. <laughs> I'd say the difference, of course, is that Creed and the original Rocky were both character-driven movies and yes. not really boxing movies, which is not a distinction I make of two through four or two through six or whatever yes. it was. Except yeah. for Rocky Balboa, I didn't think was necessarily a great movie, but he did go back to that character. I agree. Yeah, sort of I, I sort of like that movie. I, I, I thought really what he was doing with the character was more interesting than the boxing stuff Agreed. that was sort of over the top. I thought he. I'm hearing that there's a lot of Oscar buzz actually for Stallone as a, I supporting, heard that. It's actor. a supporting actor, and I thought he was really good. I, I thought he too. he there were a couple things in the movie, and for those who haven't seen it, I won't spoil it. That I thought maybe were kind of reached too far in terms uh-huh. of what they were doing with Rocky to kind of make him a little more poignant. But yeah. I thought, and his interaction. Uh, with uh, Adonis Creed, who's oh, Apollo's son, it was yeah, great. I, yeah. I thought it was a very good movie for what it, what they could have done was just sort of throw something out there that yep. was okay. And I thought they did something that was its own movie yep, and I agree. pretty much respectful mm-hmm. of everything that Stallone had done originally. Agree. I, well, yeah, that's a great way to put it. I thought um, my, my fear going into it was that the um, the chemistry was going to be a bit forced just because, oh, it's you know obviously Creed's son and – and, you know, Rocky himself, Stallone. But uh, I don't know. The chemistry was good. I, I liked it. It just felt natural to me um, the way they sort of, you know, interacted, connected, and the way it progressed through the film. And it sort of reminds you, because I don't think people think of Stallone, obviously, as a, as a uh, kind of affable or charismatic or even unforced actor. Right, and right. most of the time he's not. But I think the Rocky character, in particular in the first movie in this one, and someone about Bo, he does demonstrate that he gets a lot of the quiet moments because it's interesting to think, but he's the same age that... Um, uh, uh, Mickey, yeah, Mickey, yeah. Um, uh, Burgess Meredith. Thank you, Burgess yeah. Meredith was when he did the original Rocky, mm. which is strange to think of. Now yeah, Burgess Meredith looked like he was 102 when he did, <laughs> oh, did Rocky. <laughs> but you know, and the only thing really missing from from Creed was you know having uh, Carl Weathers show up as like the Force Ghost version, yes, of, uh, yes, you know, kind right. of in his background, back giving him the water bottle. Yeah, right, like right. That's good. Oh, that, that, very good. I saw that uh, our friend, mutual friend Matt Smith, is the biggest Sylvester Stallone fan on the planet. We're uh, in in our podcast week yeah. that we're uh, doing. That we're talking to him tomorrow, and he already texted me and said he's got to say a couple words about Creed. Oh yeah, so we'll we'll get that out there. That's totally expected. Yeah, I think yes. that'll be showing up at the end of the year too. It's yeah. unexpected. Unex- now, before we get into Christmas, just your thoughts on J.J. Abrams taking over Star Wars? Oh man, yeah. Things that you've seen that look good, things that uh, don't look so promising that you're kind of concerned about. We don't, I'm really going into this one with an open mind in the sense that I think with particularly with the the Phantom Menace, you know, everybody was so hyped up about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And I, I, too, was a bit younger, and there's a kind of not really remembering the reality of the original three movies. Not that they're they're not good. You yeah. know, I think the first two were very good, and I, I like Return of the Jedi, too. But not you know, forgetting all their faults and everything. And then at that point, we were a little more starved for science fiction, or that kind of high epic science fiction sure, fantasy. Right. Now, it's interesting because I remember when Phantom Menace came out, and if you look at, compare the two trailers, Phantom Menace is really all about putting the big special effects and the crazy creatures mm-hmm. and the wild mm-hmm. landscapes out front, and like, look at the special effects are going to blow your mind. And we knew very little about the story. You know, right. we knew that there was going to be a young Darth Vader, and we and you know we we're like, what's that duck looking thing? You know, yeah. what's he, he going to do? <laughs> right, it turned out quite a lot. And uh, <laughs> but it's interesting because Star Wars: The Force Awakens is almost entirely just either character mm-hmm. moments or yeah. bits, what appear to be character moments or bits, callbacks to the old stuff, and then mostly space battles. In fact, it's so funny because there's so many trailers out now at this point, and I sure. doubt we'll get a new one that. I'm really starting to wonder about the fantastical element. You know, those worlds full of creatures mm-hmm. and yeah. things walking into the foreground and there's stuff in the background and all of that that is so interesting and neat about stars. You know, I think the thing about the original movies having 
brand new things you've never seen before. It doesn't look like the Force Awakens is too concerned with that. So right, I'm right. wonder. Part of me is wondering: Am I going to go in here and say, "Hey, that was a pretty well good put, put together movie"? They kind of advanced the story in this way and that way, but it did really give me that feeling of being, you know, a long time ago in a right. galaxy far, far away, which is maybe a strange thing to think. But I'm sitting here wondering. I'm feeling like I might be underwhelmed, and we'll wait and see. Yeah. I mean, but that's the thing, and what I'm hoping is the case is that. But based on the, I, I liked his last two Star Trek movies, but yes. they also had a, a feeling of just being a little more ground. You know, they didn't quite right. go all the way out there. I'm hoping that they're really holding back on that. You know, yeah. the creatures and yeah. the, and I think if they've done that, then what they've given everybody is the reason to go see the movie. Here are the original guys coming back, right? And this idea of the guy who's the stormtrooper who discovers he has the Force, like that's a cool thing. That is cool. Um, and it and the shots, the shots themselves, I think, is something that differentiates from the last three Lucas movies. Yeah. There were things I liked about them, but there was a frantic sort of, you could tell this whole thing was built inside a computer and they're right. really going that way yeah. in these shots of uh, the young girl standing outside of the ship that is enclosed in the desert dunes. And, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. even in the, the shots where they're fighting in the forest and things like that, there's a clear care taken to the way the shots are made. So that's what I'm, I'm interested in seeing. Yeah. yeah. Well, what we're going to have to see if Nathan likes Nathan Bell, mm-hmm. uh, what Nathan Bartabo, like my, my boys, film geniuses that they are, have already started putting together. What I need to do to complete the little mini-movie they're making on on an iPhone is to get a burrito from Taco Bell, <laughs> half-eaten burrito, and they've already got the whole script. I'm just going to share it, and it's really good. Like Isaac or Ben, one of them just says, burrito addiction runs strong in my family. I have it. My father has it. My sister has it. And then it's going to be me as Kylo Ren. It's going to zoom in and set up on Darth Vader's mask on the half-eaten burrito. And I'm going to say, I will finish what you started. And then I eat the burrito. So then, when, when we get that and masterpiece afterwards, done. the force is strong. A little too strong with <laughs> yeah. this one. Yeah. yeah the, that's, that's it. There's you your ending. It. The force awakens. I won't, I, won't, um, I won't even charge you. So when, when we put that masterpiece the together. Menace. Yeah. And, and the boys are excited. I, we're doing this too. They just have to get me the right Kylo Ren type mask and see how I can actually shove the burrito in my mouth. It's going to be epic. I'm I just going to give that little teaser preview, and I, I want to get Nathan's final season film That's right. um, response to that. Very good. Another thing people can look forward to in oh, the new year yeah. from these it's, go to It's going to have at least like 13 hits on YouTube. Oh. It's, it, it's going to be rich. That's great. Um, so we are talking about Christmas movies. Um, guys, we have a list of movies here um, that we're going to talk about. Uh, before we get into some of those, um, because I think this question will bring out some of those, favorite Christmas movies and the least favorite Christmas movies. Let's, uh, let's start there. Nathan? Give us one of your favorites that are out there. See, this is this one's a little hard for me because, you know, we got a list of ones we're absolutely going to talk about. And I think when you come to Christmas movies, there's like three things I think about with Christmas movies. You've got the Christmas movies that are sort of like uh, – that are designed to almost be – have a sense of reverence to them. Mm-hmm. Or even right. if you want to get into those that contain some element of spirituality from a Christian perspective or even not from a Christian perspective, this idea that, well, Christmas is about doing good to others or is mm-hmm. about something a little deeper, that there's a real reason for celebration there. Mm-hmm. And there's that element – I think there's the second element of sort of the comfort, you know, the comfort kind of fun that we associate with Christmas. It's just a time to kind of 
soak in the uh, the traditions of Christmas. And there's a lot of movies like that. They aren't really necessarily great movies. They wouldn't be good at any other time of the year. Sure. But they have yeah. something about it that they tap into. Sometimes the kitsch of Christmas. Sometimes just the warm feelings of Christmas. We know that they may not be very good, but they do something for us that you have it on. You're having some eggnog or sure. whatever, and it's yeah. it's just a good time. Then the third one is that sort of dark side of Christmas where you've got the more melancholy... <laughs> Uh, aspects and then the darker satirical you know the attitude of that that comes with just seeing so much consumerism or why isn't starbucks putting you know santa on the side of my cup (laughs) and you know how all all of that stuff rolls out and it sort of comes a seething ball that 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 either comes out the bah humbug movies i guess you could right right right. right. and i think the best movies probably combine all elements of those and it's funny to think if you really think about it that some of the best christmas movies are actually pretty dark and i would say the two probably best Christmas stories are both ghost stories. If you mm-hmm. think about, obviously, A Christmas Carol mm-hmm. is absolutely a ghost story. Yeah, and it's yeah. most pure incarnation. It's a gothic ghost story yeah. with a lot of horrifying elements. And in its own way, oh, so is A Wonderful Life, which I would yeah. say is one of my favorite movies. I mean, ah, that's a it, good point. Uh, that A Wonderful Life is really about a guy who's who, you know, like a, a lot of us, he's he's he sees himself as a good guy. He's tried to do the right thing. And really, everything's just come crashing down on him. And the holidays have only really exasperated this situation, which yeah. I think a lot of times people who, you know, it's a great time of, of cheer and goodwill towards men. But when you're not in that place, when you are in a place where things aren't going well for you, sometimes mm-hmm. it only elevates that. And you've got George Bailey contemplating suicide, not, not just suicide, but the fact that he wishes he wasn't born at all, which is actually a pretty dark way to go but then this movie sort of works through all of those things it touches on the consumerism it touches on the darkness it touches on the light and mm-hmm. the hope yeah. as well and it's cheesy it's it's horrifyingly cheesy <laughs> sure but, yeah but you get swept up in it or I do and I think that as cheesy it is and as mu- as often as it's cited as an example I still think there's a great movie there there are things that are touching there are things that are mm-hmm. thought provoking yep. and even when you have the great happy ending, you still have elements where the bad guy doesn't get his comeuppance. His, his comeuppance sure. is he's he's just a bad dude. He doesn't yeah, even get yeah. this. He he's not going to get a Scrooge moment of repentance. He's going to sit up there, you know, in Potter Manor or whatever, and just Old sort of man stew. Potter. Yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Saturday Night Live did a skit yeah. where they had to give it a scene where the whole town went over with bla- with pitchforks and just beat him to death, <laughs> <laughs> just to, to, to kind of point out, well, this is what you thought this you wanted. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's a good point. I never thought about that. Old man Potter doesn't really. Nothing happens. Yeah, to it. It's just the Princess Bride. He survives. Yeah, he lives. That's true. That's wow. That's that's a great point. Yeah, and it actually makes sense too because the uh, the song. Uh, what what is the song? Most wonderful time of the year. There'll be scary ghost stories. Oh yeah. For the longest time. Wait a minute. Oh yeah. Christmas Carol. Uh, and in a sense, you could say it's a Wonderful Life, whether they mean that in the song or not. Um, so it's a Wonderful Life. Would you say that's your top, Nathan? If you had See, to, and I don't. I, I think that because movies are good in so many different ways, yeah. like Christmas movies, they touch on different things. I think a Wonderful Life and uh, a couple versions of Christmas Carol, particularly mm-hmm. the Scrooge version, uh, the Christmas Carol. I think it's 1951, where Scrooge is played by Alistair Sims. Oh right, uh, right. Which taps into the ghost story elements really big time. But Sims, I thought, did an excellent job, which is really what you need for any Scrooge. You get the bluster and everything with a lot of them. And we've seen a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Palance once played him in a Western version. Interesting. Scrooge. Uh, George, <laughs> wow. George C. Scott really had the screaming and yelling yeah, down. Yeah, that's but, the one we always watch. But Sims has that belief. And, and Scott did this well, too. But Sims, the moment of real repentance for Scrooge, where he kind of really realizes you can't just have the Scrooge that's angry and upset. I think you have to have the guy 
who's able to embody the joy and the relief and the release that right. he has once he's come out from under the shadow. Right. And I think Sims does that possibly better. He's such a curmudgeon that you're almost blindsided, even though you know the end of the movie. Yeah. When he, he, and that, to me, was the problem with the Robert Zemeckis cartoon version is, no matter what they did with Jim Carrey, they didn't have the moment where Scrooge sort of comes to life right. at the end. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a very, very good point. We, uh, we've always talked about the... The kind of interesting role that who I think of as the equalizer, uh, Edward Woodward, who I think was the British actor who uh, played the TV version of the equalizer in the 80s. Uh, but he plays the ghost of Christmas present in the George C. Scott version. And he's really good at it. He's he an excellent song. at it. I mean, he's 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 got he almost looks like he's having fun playing the role. Uh, it, it's just a really incredible portrayal. The way he mocks Scrooge. Uh, George C. Scott is so clever and it's so well done. Uh, but the the one you've left out, I'm a little disappointed, Nathan, as a, as a critic. Uh, the most Oscar worthy portrayal, of course, being Bill Murray's. Scrooged. Well, I was about to. I wasn't okay, going to let us go. get out of there. Yeah. <laughs> Scrooge is probably my most like. We talked about the movie that's like the comfort movie. Yeah, the favorite yeah. and. In a certain sense, there's the Alistair Sims I think is the best, but the Scrooge is probably the one that I'm most likely to put on. Yeah, I, I hear you. And it's yeah. ridiculous. But it, it also does a really good job of the darkness, where it almost goes straight horror movie at times. Yeah, right. Scrooge yeah. with a lot of the makeup effects. and uh, and then, But at the same time, it gives almost a completely cheesy 80s ending, right. you know, yes. where Bill Murray... I mean, <laughs> it, it has all of it in there, and it's ridiculous. But watching Bill Murray interact with the ghost, it doesn't matter <laughs> that it's not the greatest movie. It transcends, yes. you know... <laughs> Agreed. Uh, it, it, yeah. it, there's a joy to yeah. it. And I think that's what's important to yes. like, some of those movies is that there's a joy. I'll, I'll edit my line. I can't say my favorite line because of some of the verbiage, but uh, <laughs> just where he basically says, she hit me with a toaster. Um, <laughs> like yeah. a, you know, uh, hello, wabbit. When, yeah. he goes, when <laughs> yeah. Goldwave comes in with the, with the gun. Yeah, that was, I, I'm with you. It's a comfort movie. Yeah. I, I still watch Scrooge. Not, not my wife's favorite by any means, but... <laughs> You know, because we always have to watch the George C. Scott version, which was, Mm -hmm. I want to say, PBS 84, I think, is when that was made. I remember watching it as a kid, and I was excited about it. It was a theatrical movie. Yes. Yes. And, uh, you know, Scott... I do love his joy at the end where he's jumping on the bed and he's, you know, he's, he's almost terrifying in that though. It's I, yeah. almost, they're almost like, what have we done? You know? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. true. It's almost strange to see him like that where you think, is, is, did he lose his mind? Uh, but it was, uh, and the uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. Is yes. Oh, that's the one I was going to mention. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. 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 See, that might be the Oscar worthy one. Right? I know right and, there. Kermit the frog. I mean, Hard to beat, man. That's right. And Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Well, <laughs> yeah. and it's funny because I remember um, I was watching uh, – I'm the kind of dork when it comes to movies. I'll sit there and uh, when I ask for movies, I ask for the extended editions with all the commentaries uh-huh. and things like that. And and Joy's sister one year said to Joy, what kind of a person sits down and watches these things? And Joy just turned <laughs> Nathan does. <Yeah. laughs> and yeah. I do. And I remember watching the commentary – of a Muppet Christmas Carol, and they said, you know, it, it's it's a rare actor that can sit there and and play a serious role around a bunch of hand puppets. Yes, yes. Uh, and, and Michael Caine actually does that yeah, very well. Right. He had just come off a movie where he starred with Steven Seagal, so he had the practice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He went lower than the Muppets, <laughs> then he was able then to he... emerge into the Muppet world. Yeah, that's... he redeemed himself. Right. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, it is funny because. Well, you may know this. Was Michael Caine at one point a stage actor? 
Uh, it gives yes, that vibe. Over his, uh, over his career, he's done a lot of different things, including yeah. Jaws the Revenge. Right, but, right. Um, <laughs> yeah, which is shocking. Yeah, shocking. And now he's sort of back. And, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. How, how about that, man? Um, so one of the movies that we wanted to talk about, and, and I think this is one that um, we would all agree is one of the least favorites out there stemming from the song, A Chris, The Christmas Shoes. Right. And, and Nathan, I know that this one has been um, on your heart for some time to, to just publicly blast. And so we want to give you, you this you always, moment. You always sort of open with the, with the, the, bla- the movies to blast. I mean, last time I was listening to this, I'm like, man, I really kind of – I felt kind of bad about ragging yeah. on the Christian films. And here we are again. Yeah. And uh, you know, it gives this impression that everyone has of the critics. They don't like anything at all. Well, yeah. I already said I like Scrooge. So That's right. Stuff. You did. You did. Um, yeah. Well, the, the, the Christmas shoes – is really like a Hallmark movie, a TV right, movie, and that's right. what it is. And even the Hallmark movies, like around the holidays, I mean, you know, again, you're sitting down, there's nothing else on, you know, you got the heater on and the eggnog. If the Hallmark movie ends up, you might find yourself horrified, but yep. you're some halfway through, you're like, it's, <laughs> and like, what's going on? It's all lies. But this particular one, Rob Lowe is in it, and the, and the Christmas Shoes song, which I think is performed by the band Christmas Shoes, I don't know, oh, dedicated wow. to Christmas Shoes, wow. I'm not sure what's going on, but I remember when that song came on, and you're li- and listen to it, and like, this is such a pile of junk, and then <laughs> yeah. you're like, tears are streaming down your eyes, like, what's happening? Yeah. But uh, what a cynical, terrible song, and yeah. I, I assume you guys are kind of familiar with it, oh, but yeah. It, oh, yeah. where essentially, you know, I guess uh, God decides that middle middle. Uh, class white man needs a reminder of of the joys of christmas so he sends this kid's mom to have cancer so the kid can run down yes. and like buy her shoes and you're sitting and she's on her deathbed and the family's there and you're like no one notices the kid's gone you know right. can't get the shoes. It's like, peter quill was at least abducted by space pirates yeah. they knew why he wasn't at his, his, his mom's deathbed and yeah. uh so they made a whole movie about it, and at first I'm thinking, well, this might be good because maybe they'll reveal that secretly the kid, you know, is just bluffing and he's really buying the shoes for some underground black market <laughs> yeah. and group of ninjas that are selling the shoes like in the streets, you know. Right afterwards, your mom's dead. You've been yeah. in here six times yeah. today, but just the entire cynicism of the idea and using the the kid's mom as cancer and the guy, you know, right. and they're trying to tap into something that you know. Our sympathy, our sense of charity, and something, but doing it in such a horrible and manipulative way. Uh, and then sure. when you kind of throw God in there, it's always, uh, I think it really becomes, it goes from being facile to being uh, insulting and, right. and to have made mm-hmm. an entire movie out of it. But if you get the right group of people together and you turn this thing on, I mean, it's just going to be a mystery science theater all the way down the middle <laughs> right. because it, it taps on every single, the, the poor little waif child. And the idea that it can make 90 minutes of us, I was done after a minute and a half wow. of the song. Wow. So, um, but you know what we, we we've done in the past is watch we did a movie night once we watched Christmas shoes first and then followed it up with uh, a movie called Santa Slay which is S L A Y and uh, <laughs> the wrestler Bill Goldberg who is obviously Jewish yeah. is playing this giant sort of Viking Santa Claus who has a hell bison that pulls his uh, sleigh <laughs> oh my goodness. and he comes the, the opening scene has him murder an entire dinner party that involves Chris Kattan and James Caan and <laughs> oh and, and Fran he drowns Fran Dresser in the the, the eggnog bowl. <laughs> It's uh, it's something to see. They even have a claymation part where they show how Santa Claus was really a demon that lost a curling match to an angel. And so he had it's done with little claymation characters, and he's sentenced to a thousand years of servitude, giving children toys, and then the thousand years are up, and it's time to pay the piper. Wow! wow. There is a movie. Um, 
if it's one of it's a Christmas horror movie and it, the Krampus Krampus yes. yeah yes is that one of the ones you will see well, no no you know what that one was not screened for critics okay. I'm, I'm gonna see it <laughs> yes. I am hopeful um, I do enjoy a good Christmas, <laughs> right. Christmas horror movie yes but... yes yes Krampus who is sort of the the anti Santa Claus well you know which is interesting because I guess it, it looks like that's something that like mainstream culture is just now snatched onto right. even yeah. though that's been a uh, legend for thousands of years yeah. a very inter- a, a diversion here but an interesting really weird experience if you ever go up to PA they have the like Santa Claus or Christmas Museum it's a Christmas Museum and basically they've acquired as much kitsch as they could possibly get and just jammed it into one place yeah. so like one building is like set up like an old time toy store with all of these old I mean it's fascinating to look at and yeah. then they have all of the Santas like from out the world so you walk through this thing and then they get to the Russian like Bell's Nickel he's like putting the kids in the sack you know oh my goodness over here. but Krampus is really supposed to be I think he's like Santa's like assistant, like you know, it's, it's yeah. you know, it's one of those things too, where you always well, it's God versus the devil, and it's like, well, you know, we're in God's plan. Does the devil have a purpose? You know, and like right. the Krampus has a purpose in the in the stories. Like, so it's not necessarily with Santa against Krampus. Krampus is kind of doing like the he handles the junk work that Santa doesn't want to do. Like Santa, right. Santa gets to hand out the the toys to, to the, the happy kids, kids and yeah. Krampus has to go and switch them or something. So, uh, gotcha. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I just saw that, but um, the one actress in it is uh, isn't it Tony Collette? Tony Collette. Well, Who's... that's the thing with Tony. Colette, you know, that's a uh, you would hope she elevates it a little. I bit. know, I was gonna say, or she she's... may turn out to be the Krampus. I don't right. know. Yeah. If that's a spoiler, I'm sorry, <laughs> but you don't know if it's no, a spoiler, no, 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 so no, you're, no, no, you're you're safe, very good. Yeah, so well, we're on the subject though of the of the dark Santa Claus, which is like a whole subgenre of movies, oh, yeah. right? Right, there's uh. There's one, and I just showed you guys the video. Uh, it's called Rare Exports. It's called Rare yes. Exports, A Christmas oh. Tale. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention it. It's uh, <laughs> it's not going to be for everybody. Right. But it's a really interesting, fun movie that if you want something, it is finished, so it does have subtitles. And I'm not sure, for a while it was on Netflix, but it's uh, it has that feeling of an 80s sort of fun PG-13 horror movie yeah. uh, where this little boy is sort of coming of age in Lapland and they decide to blast a giant mountain, which actually is apparently housing inside of it frozen Santa Claus. And um. so they discover this Santa. Uh, these reindeer hunters find him after he's devoured a herd of reindeer. Oh. And uh, <laughs> it goes from there. And it's a pretty – you'd be surprised, uh, I think, by the quality of the movie, the fact that it's actually enjoyable and suspenseful without being uh, – Overdone or grotesque. Interesting, um, but not a not a children's film. No, <laughs> no, no. We watched a little snippet of it here uh, right before we went live tonight, right? And that was uh, that was that was interesting. Uh, but I can't help but say I was laughing quite heartily yes. as, as little uh, snippets of it were uh, uh, were shown. Yeah, I remember as a kid, Nathan, the or teenager. Uh, there was a movie that I saw one time at Errol's. Remember Errol's video? If you guys yes. remember that, and it was, um, I think it was called Silent Night, and it was a Santa Killer movie. It, it was, and the Santa Killer movies were really big yeah. in the eighties. And a little known fact: they were really jump started by a movie in nineteen seventy four called Black Christmas. Uh. What's notable about Cl- Black Christmas is not the movie itself, which again <laughs> has the slasher at Christmas, but that is directed by Bob Clark, who did A Christmas Story oh, a few years later. No so he way. has the star. And we actually just watched one uh, last night, uh, kind of in preparation for this. It was a 1980 movie called Christmas Evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice little yeah. Play, which, which involves a guy who's become so obsessed with Santa Claus that he is basically taking note of all the children that live in his town and keeping ledgers and everything, which is a little creepy. But oh, he, my he even goes as far to steal all the toys from the, the place where he, the toy factory he works so he can give them to the 
school for the autistic children down the street. So he, he really has his heart in the right place, but when he yeah. realizes the other adults don't agree, they start to get murdered <laughs> in oh. a horrible way. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yes. He's a misguided yeah, slasher. He, he's you know, you know, he's got the spirit uh, of Christmas in his heart. What, what he is. Dude, since Nathan mentioned Christmas Story, I, I, I don't want to mess up your order. Can we talk yeah, about that one a yeah. little bit? Um, Christmas Story, if I understood this right, was a flop when it came out in the theater i thought about 90 percent of the movies that people adore were flops in the right 1980s. right i mean uh, yeah because that came out i think in 83 yes, somewhere 83. thereabouts 83 because yeah. again i remember being 13 and seeing the ads for that having no real interest just well and it kind of makes sense because it is not a movie i think that would attract a big audience all of the actors in the movie were unknowns except for darren mcgavin who right had yeah. done you know night stalker mm-hmm. and stuff on tv which also wasn't huge right. right and it really was a movie designed i think for tv which is probably where all of us really saw it. exactly it's like a yeah. small small screen movie all the way it is yeah. it is and now it's what on tbs, TBS Chris, <laughs> christmas marriage 24 7 but i will say we that has become because of our family one of our favorites that we watch uh knowing it's a little cliche to say that because it is probably the maybe one of the most commercialized films this time of year now with with its constant airing but a couple of things i like you mentioned uh darren mcgavin's character to me he's the dude for me that made the whole film um he was just brilliant to me in that role as the as the father and and the the touching part for me this is my cheesy tearing up here and i told you this recently i think nathan i love the fact that the dad is so seemingly aloof the entire movie he's worried about his lamp leg uh fragile you know and uh he's he is worried about the furnace right he's always reading the paper how are the bears doing the, the little kid in the disgusting eating scene, which still makes me want to vomit when I watch it. How do the little piggies uh, eat? Yeah, how do the piggies eat? <laughs> and, you know, got the mashed potato stuck in his face in what seems to be forever. Um, you know, he's so annoyed. But he's the one at the end of the film. And I know it just it gets me every time. I'm such a, a emotive person. But the uh, scene where he says, oh, did you get everything you want, Ralphie? And he goes, yeah, pretty much. He goes, oh, there's always next year. And he sort of says, oh, what's that over there behind the desk? And you... His face when little Ralphie opens up that thing to me is awesome because he's it, it it was kind of a curveball. You never think that father would have noticed at all that his son was longing for this whatever that rifle was called right. that that BB gun. Red Rider. Yeah, yes, Red yes, Rider yes. The, the Red Rider. And I just some some cool things in that movie. And I agree. I think McGavin is kind of the heart of that movie. Yeah. Great. And I think one of the things is it's based on Gene Shepard's memoirs. And, right. of course, what Gene Shepard's going for as he when you read this, and I think that's why it would have made it such a hard movie to translate, is he's capturing that feeling that I think, you know, some of us growing up even in the 80s probably have with our dads, but even more so that generation yeah. that Shepard's coming yeah. from, where this guy who is kind of aloof, who seems gruff, who has this outer facade that almost doesn't seem like a facade, maybe it doesn't go yeah. any deeper, but in reality, there is a lot more, and it does go deeper. And But to kind of relay that, in a film, you're going to have to have an actor that can do both. And unlike Scrooge, where he's a Scrooge for the whole movie and it becomes joyful at the end, you have to have the actor that's showing both of those things yeah. kind of simultaneously yeah. all through the movie. You yeah, know? good point. Uh, he can be gruff and I beg you not to use life boy, you yeah. know, and, uh, <laughs> and, and in one moment and, and turn around and be sweet and tender with the wife and sweet and tender with the kids. And yeah. it's not just at the very end, but at the very end, you know, he realizes that, 
you know, his family really does care about. And it's just a good, that's the movie that I, the reason it's so good, I think, is because it's sincere, which is the same reason that stuff like Christmas Shoes is terrible, because it's not sincere. It may have become commercialized, but there's a real heart and a tenderness to it. I agree. That is there in maybe, I think, in A Wonderful Life and some of these other movies, and in the best version of Scrooge. And I think if you don't have that, you don't. You don't really have a lasting Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah well said. Um, White Christmas. Let's talk about that one for a little so, bit. So White Christmas, and I, yeah, to watch what I say here because it's one of my wife's favorites. <laughs> oh, gotcha, and it's, gotcha. uh, and I think it's been one that's sort of like been battered into my head, you know, over time. Yeah, I, <clears throat> and I think White Christmas falls is a slam dunk into the comfort barrel. Sure, we right, about. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, up front, it has a completely trite and really facile story i think yeah. in terms of like it's just barely a christmas story it's pretty cheesy yeah and it right in the, to get the general there and set this thing up for him and i mean right. that could have been any kind of a movie and then the love story elements aren't but of course the reason why christmas is still around has nothing to do with any of that it doesn't even have anything to do with bing crosby's acting or danny Kaye's acting or uh rosemary clooney's acting mm-hmm. but it's all about again it's the energy the joy there in the musical performances and the way that like the white christmas song and the snow 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 mm-hmm. songs hangs out and just the great dance sequences yeah, right. in the film that's what drives it that's what makes it a great movie still to watch in my opinion so i kind of have that feeling where i i love watching it but i roll my eyes as it's on it doesn't do anything for me on the intellectual or emotional level sure, per right. se but it just it does have that joy in I know what you mean yeah. Yeah. yeah it's become an iconic tradition yeah. Yeah. itself and I I could uh I could see that the am I right on this guys if you heard this that cuz I always feel like at a christmas party where they do some trivia you hear this that what what was the movie the first movie white christmas was played in and it it wasn't white christmas that it was roman holiday or Holiday Inn. Holiday Inn. Or, or Holiday no, Inn. yeah, Holiday yeah. Inn. Because that's Inn. the one it comes down to. It's Holiday yeah. Inn, which has also been Crosby. And Holiday people Inn, feel, right. always feel like they have to fall on one side or the other. Right. I'd like to be the guy that says Holiday Inn's better, but I did. Holiday Inn doesn't really do it for me. Yeah. Right. Much. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm more good. of a, um, which isn't solely a Christmas movie, but I'm more of a Meet Me in St. Louis Right, yeah, that with Judy Garland. About that. Yeah. I, I'm a bigger fan of Judy Garland, and that movie kind of covers, I think, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and there's yeah, some great numbers, right, and right. there's the big trolley number. Just again, a, a movie that has a lot of joy and joyfulness in it. And to me, the family elements that are in uh, Meet Me in St. Louis mm-hmm. gel together more and sort of represent more. I think kind of what you're looking for at Christmas. To me, the White Christmas and Holiday Inn, they've got these great musical numbers, but they don't. They don't really do anything emotionally for me with the Christmas, the Christmas mm-hmm. angle. Interesting. Yeah, and I think that's fair enough. I mean, I, you know, I'll say right up front: White Christmas is one of Joy and my favorite movies, uh-huh. but it's so much so that it's one that we'll put in and do work to. Oh, gotcha. So yeah. It's, yeah. it's a background. It's a great one to bake yeah. pies too. Or yeah, something right, right, right. exactly. exactly. It's, it's a great background one. It's one we'll watch easily six or seven times. You could be on your feet during those musical exactly, numbers. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. yeah, but it's not one that we'll sit down and and really watch from beginning to end except maybe once in that season yeah we'll just throw it in and be doing a lot of other stuff yeah. that's going on but but you know for that reason it is one of our favorites because we feel like oh we can be doing other things while it's going on in the background right right yeah that's that's good yeah there are certain movies like that that you just yeah you have them on uh, like you know, the way you would uh, in our area, one hundred one point nine light FM Christmas music, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. can, yeah. That's kind of the version of that. I, yeah. I see what you're saying. Um, Prancer, I noticed you had you had thrown that one on your list, uh, Nathan. Let's go ahead and talk about that because that's one that uh, Joy really enjoys this time of the so, year. I think Prancer's interesting, and it it actually came out the same 
year. I can't remember if it was at the same time, probably because they're both holiday movies. There's another movie on your list, which we'll get to in a minute, in 1989. But I feel like Prancer's a movie that's kind of fallen under the radar. I remember seeing it when I was younger, and I've seen it again recently. And it's a, I, I think it's a really good movie. It's definitely... Well, the interesting thing about Christmas is I think there is so much there... Uh, regardless of whether you're looking at from a spiritual angle or from the kind of more imaginative angle, you know, if you're if you're a Christian that can believe that, that Santa Claus and Christ <laughs> sort of coexist within the same traditions. Yeah. Uh, but Prancer is a kids' movie, and there's so much about Christmas that appeals to children. I think that it is childlike, and yet so few children's movies or Christmas movies really are ostensibly for children. I mean, mm-hmm. Christmas Carol sort of been adapted, but it is not in its essence. A Christmas story, not a children's story, not just for the the horror themes, but the themes of what's going on mm. with Scrooge. Whereas Prancer is just a good children's film. I think it captures mm. a certain sense of wonder. It's perfectly benign and yet also interesting, and it's mm. character driven, which I think is very nice. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. so nice that I think people are very quick to dismiss it. You know mm. that in some ways it's probably fallen by the wayside and probably viewed as almost you know on the level of a Hallmark movie. But I think it's a terrific. Kids movie. Right. Well, and I think, too, like Sam Elliott does a good job of carrying that father role in that movie. And really, you know, he's he's lost his wife and struggling with, I mean, ultimately, you know, if you, Greg and I, we've said this before. If you haven't seen the movie by now, then spoiler right. alert, here it comes. Yeah, and it was, what, 89? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, so you're, you're kind of yeah. in the same. Yeah, too bad. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, whether or not he's going to send his daughter away because he truly doesn't feel like he can take care of this little girl. And right, and I think that those, but again, the thing that stands out for Prancer, and probably one of the reasons it didn't do as well when it came out or it's been sort of forgotten, it is not a showy movie. Right. It's, it, it has a sincerity. It tries right. to play these scenes for truthfulness. It has the great, fun, cute stuff with the deer, which the kids can kind of latch into. But it isn't, again, it's, it isn't just a children's film. There's sure. a lot of family dynamic going on. And I think that's what makes it interesting, and it doesn't overreach. It yeah. kind of just, it goes kind of right for the center. And I, I was touched by it, and I, yeah. I enjoyed it when I saw it. And I think it's a good movie maybe for people to rediscover. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's on Netflix, but I think you know if you're looking for a family movie, I'd, I'd recommend it. Yeah. Greg, had you seen that one? Uh, I remember it, but I, okay. I, I don't even know if I saw it. Uh, but when you, when you mentioned Sam Elliott, I have this uh, faint remembrance. I, you know me. I see most movies. Right. Uh, I've, I've got my <laughs> biblical priorities in order. That's right. Uh, but I, I don't – I don't know if I saw that one. I'll Gotta get your so. quotes from somewhere. I was going to say exactly. You know, I mean, you get a few from Luther and you know, Tim Keller, but you need some from Bill Murray every once in a while just to just to keep things honest. So That's right. Cats and dogs living together. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Mass hysteria. Now we have our bleep out feature. Yeah, that's true, brother. I can always plug that in anytime. Yeah, but no, I'm not sure that I um, that I saw Prancer to be honest. Mm. So. You got me interested. And then the other one um, that you were talking about within the same year was that um, the uh, what Jacques Noel? No, I, so the movie that you mentioned, uh, Joy Noel, we talked about in a minute. No, it was uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Oh, okay, <laughs> it was the same okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. So, um, we talk about either one. Let's let's go ahead and uh, Christmas vacation. Christmas vacation, yeah, dude. Chevy Chase. Hey, let me this for the next twenty minutes. Quote every line from the movie <laughs> because and then blessing. We'll just, I, and then yeah. we'll just beep, beep yes. out the last a blessing. <laughs> Did your room clear out? Uh, yeah, Uncle. Is it Leo? Is that the the? It, I can't remember his name. The the character's name in there, but you know, you know that actor when he passed away, he was only in his seventies. Really, <laughs> he looked like wow. he was one hundred and two yeah. when he was in. Uh, Friend of mine just told me tonight William Hickey, and he died in like ninety eight or something. So that was a wow. good. Like, yeah. Somebody told me that, and I 
right before we met here tonight, I was saying we were going to do this podcast and said that actor was played a role in uh, the outlaw Josie Wales. Yes. Uh, and I said, really? Because I've watched that several times, but it's been several years. So I need to go back and see him. But yeah, we yeah. he's a, uh, you want to do something to help him? Go get my stogies. <laughs> um, but uh, Randy Quaid in that, come on, Cousin Eddie. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I can't even quote half the lines, but wow. Yeah. She's yeah. a beaut, Clark. She's a beaut. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. And the thing, the funny thing about that is, like when I saw it as a kid, you know, it, it seems so hysterical and right, so funny. Right. And yet, there's a really kind of a sinister undercurrent to <laughs> National Lampoon's Christmas on it. Not, just forget the part that really what Randy Quaid was doing in that was completely prophetic to the man he would eventually become. I mean, <laughs> right, really, right. Randy Quaid, much like how Mel Gibson became Mad Max yes, and uh, you yeah. know uh, the Lethal Weapon character. Basically, Randy Quaid is. Uncle Eddie, like yeah, squatting yeah. in homes and crazy yeah. and unkempt and, yeah. you know, rolling around in a, like, uh, an RV. Independence day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, in, in real life now, I think he's on the run, like, living in houses with his wife or something. Like, he's a squatter and, wow. like, Dog the Bounty Hunter's chasing him through states or something. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> for, for real. So, I mean, so that, you know, was a little foreshadowing. Yeah. But the Chevy Chase character, and kind of, who's just the Chevy Chase character in every 80s yeah, movie. Yeah, right, um, right. And I kind of prefer Funny Farm to yeah. some of the other ones. Yeah. but. In the, the strange thing is he's supposed to be kind of this every man, you know, the guy that we can get behind it. Like he's a he's just a harried guy who's trying to get his family to have a great time at Christmas. Mm. And there's a lot of like kind of sinister qualities to him. You know, he yeah. kind of like he freaks out and, and, and attacks the neighbors. He's sort of yeah. hitting on. Even in the first movie, he's almost like right on the cusp of having an affair the entire right. time. That's he's going to take his family to Wally World. So there's this undercurrent of sort of mocking this American dream and this guy who wants to do right by his family. And he, Clark Griswold is almost a sociopath. Like, yeah. Really, yeah. if you get down to it, and that's all sort of taped over at the end. I still love the, the scene when uh, Uncle Eddie is bringing Bill Murray's brother down the sidewalk <laughs> yeah. with the bow on him, kicking him as right. he, yes. he comes. Yes. Like, that's right. That's Brian Doyle <laughs> Murray, right? Yeah. That's, a, that's right. Who's, a beastly man in a yeah. leisure suit. <laughs> in a blue leisure suit. Oh, my goodness. You know what? That is – you have really given me something to think about there. Because even – the start of that movie, when they're going out into the woods to get the Christmas tree, remember there's those kind of hillbilly guys yeah. in the pickup yeah. truck, and his anger, his road rage, which you know most people would say, oh, these guys, you let them pass. But no, not Clark. He has to gun the accelerator and <laughs> flip him the bird and do all these things. It's um, Yeah, it is interesting. And uh, I mean, it's terrible it is, but the Julia Louise Dreyfus, which was <laughs> – Seinfeld came out in 89. So I'm assuming yeah. – that, Seinfeld was a yeah, actually it was a few years later, like ninety three or something. So there was still a few years to go before really? Seinfeld showed. I th- I believe. I um, thought you no, know, I went on challenge, brother. I, <laughs> here's why. I know for certain. Lisa and I bought our first TV. We got married in ninety four, and in ninety eight we bought our first TV because May tenth, something like that. It was the last one. It, it no. broke, and the last Seinfeld was coming out. So the TV we had was from my parents, and I remember it was nine years. So I'm thinking it came out in eighty nine. Nathan, keep, keep talking. I'm looking at it. Nathan is doing our research. Not that it Remember, matters. I'm a movie guy, not the yes, TV. Yes, that's right. That's right. <laughs> but, uh, Nathan is a movie guy. But either way, I'm just thinking she was July a. July 5th, 1989. 89. Oh, was it? So, okay. so she so was I a, just wasn't even aware of it until. She was a, still a relatively unknown Julia Louise. She had done some stuff on SNL. And that movie would have been completed. But yeah, and I believe she yeah. was in the. The original Troll movie, before Troll 2. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so, you're right. So there, Gosh, I redeemed myself. I forgot myself. about that. Um, <laughs> very good, very good. But yeah, the uh, the, the nasty <laughs> interplay between Chevy Chase and her and, and the, the yuppie husband. 
But the scene where the squirrel, <laughs> and, and those are the things that kind of redeem the movie. Like, no, and, you, know. Just, you know, she comes over, her dress is all torn apart. She's going to do it. The dog, the squirrel, and the way Clark shuts the door, he goes, it's done. It's over. Um, <laughs> the old man screaming squirrel. Is yeah, it's all his back. <laughs> yeah, but, that unholy noise coming. He's like, he's just cacking on a bone. Right. You know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> he got it up. The turkey opens like that pod from Alien. <laughs> yes, yes. But you know what? To me, Christmas Vacation is one of those movies. It becomes, I hate to say it, almost like in my family, uh, an extended family, because my wife's family, uh, my departed father-in-law, Love that movie. Could have quoted it word for So every Christmas we watch that at least two or three times mm-hmm. throughout the season. But I, it may be hard to assess the movie for me now because I associate it with the experience of watching it in a group. And I yeah. think that's true of a lot of people because I don't – I really don't think it's really that that good. And I yeah. think some of those elements, like you say, when you look at it, we talked about the what made the Darren McGavin character so great that at yeah. the center there's a good-hearted guy. Yeah. I think the opposite is true yeah. of Clark Griswold. <laughs> really, right. And the movie is on such a – like helium-headed level that it just supposed you know you just sort of roll through it right uh the same is true really of home alone which i think is in a which i'm glad you put on the list it's yeah. a horrible movie right but you know the christmas spirit where a young kid beat two guys for you know <laughs> right you know what after he was a complete brat to his yeah. parents I, I am glad to hear you say that because in some ways home alone is disturbing it's a it's a well the funny thing about home alone is it's essentially with a few minor tweaks, a horror film. Right. Like it would be yeah. a horror film. You, you made the kid a little more sinister. And, of course, they did The Good Son with Macaulay Culkin where it right. was. Yeah, That's right. That's right. A few years later. Yeah. And uh, they did a home invasion movie a few years uh, years back now called Your Next, which yeah. was essentially oh, right. the grown-up version of Home Alone. Where I remember this, that. Yeah. Uh, Aussie Survivor Girl is defending this home from these invading incomers. Yes, and, right, right. That's where they were wearing the weird mask, yeah, like yeah. the kangaroo yeah. mask and stuff. So if you yeah. had Joe Pesci and Daniel right. Stern wearing like goat masks or something, <laughs> right. you know, Krampus. Yes, know. that's right. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, so, uh, Joy Noel. So, Joy Noel is actually not that old of a movie. Um, okay. Don't know. I'm going to say 2006 or thereabouts, okay. 2007. Uh, and it is actually, I mention it because I always like to, you know, kind of bring the movie that maybe nobody's heard of. It is a, <laughs> it is a French movie. It does have subtitles. Excuse me. Uh, and it is a little bit maybe of a heavier movie than a lot of the ones we've talked about. It's actually about a historical event that occurred during World War One, mm. the armistice on Christmas Eve, where you essentially have two sides of the war. Oh yeah, laying down their rifles and essentially having a Christmas get together together yes, and we- watching them go back and forth. And what makes it so good, I think, is it it captures all the different essence of this, and it includes also some actual. Uh, uh, characters who are preachers and priests and, and, and makes them sort of the centerpiece. And, and uh, it takes the time to show how they felt, you know, what what it meant to serve the Lord in a situation like that. And, and what's the difference between an enemy and how do we treat our brothers? And wow. that wasn't just the only element of the movie. It is not a Christian film, but it is a multifaceted movie. And it is a it is a bit of a tearjerker. But again, I think it's a movie that comes by what it does honestly. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a war film that is about humanity in the middle of the war. And again, if you are not averse to subtitles, I hardly recommend it. I can't remember yeah. now what it's rated. Um, it was a war film, so there might be enough violence to push into an R, but I don't think it was anything. We're not talking Save It Private Ryan here. <laughs> sure. Because the the essence of the film is actually watching these guys come together and share their lives. And even if, if it's for a very short period of time. So. Yeah. Yeah, that um, <clears throat> last year when um, I had an Audible membership at that time, that was the book that sort of hooked me into the sort of try it for 30 days. Um, and it was, I I think it had been specially written at the time. It was called Christmas Day 
was it 1914? Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. And it is this based on this uh, event where there was a break on Christmas Day. There's where, a classic painting too that sort of depicts yes, it. Yes, yeah. and I think some of the soldiers played soccer yeah. with yeah. each all other. This, and all of this is captured in the film. And there's a lot of actor. Uh, it, it, I believe. Um, you remember the guy, uh, if you remember the Matrix sequels, which if you don't, I don't blame you. Um, <laughs> yeah. the guy well, who played, they had very non-complicated plots. They, 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 I think the guy, he, he was the Merovingian or something. He was one of the, one of the hundreds of characters in right, the Matrix. Yes. Uh, I believe he's in the film. There's a couple other actors that you would probably, uh, if, you, if you've seen um, several movies and maybe movies sure. French movies. It's, uh, but it's a, regardless of that, and, it, and not every character in the movie is French. Of course, you've got the Irish guys and stuff too, sure. so not everything is subtitled. But uh, I would... Definitely recommend it. So you haven't seen it, and it's a good, it's a good film. I'm so glad, Nathan, you mentioned that. I, I'm going to yeah. add that to my list. I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Came out in 05, right? So it's yeah, okay. So it's know, definitely yeah. it may New even movie. be on Netflix. I'm not certain. But, and yeah. uh, interesting little note here. It says the film was originally rated R in the U.S. However, after Ebert criticized the rating, the MPAA officially changed the rating to PG-13, which makes sense. Yeah, um, I remember he was a, a, a proponent of the movie for many of the reasons that I've mentioned. That right. it's just a good story, and it's and it, its heart is. One that's positive. It's not, which I think is, you know, underneath all the layers of some of the other Christmas movies. There's either nothing or there's a sinister right, under vibe. Right. It's kind of nice to see a movie that actually kind of that makes you want to be a better person to your fellow person. Yeah. You know, sure, yes. Love to go back uh, quickly because I know yeah. there's a, a few other movies, Nathan. You at this point now, I'm thinking of like thirty of them. I know, I know, so um, many. Christmas Carol, uh, which again, it's strange. I have an inner conflict with the Christmas Carol because I have to. It is my favorite story. Uh, I like Dickens' actual book, mm-hmm. uh, his little novella. It, it, I think it is technically. Uh, Love so many of the versions of it. You know, I, I've kind of yeah. The Patrick Stewart one was okay, but the uh, the the George C. Scott is again my personal favorite. I don't think I've seen the fifty one version. It's very good. I I, I yeah. definitely want to uh, to add that to my list. Uh, love it. So I just want to put all my cards on the table. And I'm going to watch it this year and next right. year and the year after that. My kids are too. We love it. It is so contrary to the heart of the gospel in in this sense. Um, it is a story of earning favor with quote-unquote God, the divine, the afterlife, whatever you call it, through good works. Mm. It is incredibly moralistic story. I remember reading it, and uh, I, you know, I was was an English major, and I love Dickens. Um, I even like Bleak House, which is one of the most dreadful books to read. Like uh, I remember our great, prof told us, dreadful, yeah. yeah, great but dreadful. He said, "Hey, you, it really starts to come together a- after about 475 pages." So I said, "Oh, that's good. That's good. I'm on page two. I can't wait to plod through that." So love, interesting. No direct reference to Christ anywhere in the film. Uh, I think the closest you get, and this might be in the movie version, might be in the book too, is when uh, Bob Cratchit says, when he took Tiny Tim to church, he said, it's good for people to see me because it rem- it can remind them of the one who made the lame walk and the blind see. Well, and also at the beginning when Fred goes to visit, he talks about um, this day and its namesake. He does. You're he right. He does say that. He, so, so th- yeah, there's some scant yeah. references there. And believe me, I'm sa- it's a powerful movie. And in many ways, the message is good. Yeah. Uh, however, it is sort of a Victorian moralism yeah. uh, and, and a do-goodism. And you think, wow, it makes me think of what I teach and preach is totally contrary to one of my favorite Christmas movies. Yeah. That Ebenezer Scrooge, if he received Christ as Savior and Lord, is eternally secure. 
Right. No, that's not what Dickens is even trying to do. I realize right. that. So in some ways, I'm sort of inserting something that doesn't sure. belong. But just to, to kind of catch yourself almost in the right. midst of it because um, you can get lulled a little bit. Right. Um, and I think this is true really of almost all of the, the Christmas. And I think sure. that's one of the things about the Christmas films. There are very few out there that if you're trying to look at it from the Christian perspective that really captures that in a way that's really powerful. And, right. and I would say even some of the movies have tried, like the nativity stories have sure. kind of missed the boat. Yeah. You want to know what did it in 30 minutes and I thought did it perfectly and succinct and wonderful was a Charlie Brown Christmas. I mean, oh. you think about it because what's <laughs> My beautiful favorite. about the Charlie Brown Christmas is it doesn't try for any sort of like uh, not even subtlety or or wrapping this in or trying to be clever. Right. It it basically captures off in Charlie Brown as this guy who he only ever does good for the sake of doing good because he can't do anything else because everything he tries to do just falls apart yeah. completely. <laughs> right. The only yeah. times when he's doing good not to please people or anything else are, are, are when Charlie Brown thrives. But you know everyone else sees it as failure. And yet at the end he's so exasperated with everything because he's tried to do everything. Right. He's he, he doesn't understand what Chris is about and then just have Linus come out and re essentially recite what's the King, <laughs> King James scripture and he walks off. Luke too. That is the meaning of Christmas, yes. Charlie Brown. And it's, it just leaves it there, and it, it, it doesn't try to pull your heartstrings or do anything else. And, you know, honestly, I'm sitting there like, that's if, if this is what you're trying to get through, if yeah. this is what you're trying to emphasize, then just lay it out there. Yes. And that's how I feel. And, yes. and I thought, so you put it all aside. The interesting thing, I think, about Christmas Carol, if you look at Dickens and Dickens' life, um, they did a movie a couple years back uh, when I was first doing the screeners thing they sent me. It was called The Invisible Woman. Huh. It's about the life of Dickens. And, I mean... Uh, I have a few comments about Dickens. Yeah, <laughs> he really. There's one word in the last name there that you can kind of pull out, and right, uh, it right. kind of emphasizes who he really was. Yeah, Dickens was not a a moral or right, a good right, guy. Right. Uh, he was writing what he kind of felt the people of the time want here, and it is a completely humanist story. But yeah. there are a lot of dimensions to the Christmas Carol that I think are missed because what we kind of go through is watching Scrooge. The idea is, of course, that Scrooge repents because he's shown. What a jerk he is. He's right. shown what his future is if he continues. And he, and the idea would be that he chooses not to. Right. But then there is also an element that what Scrooge is really seeing is a little bit more than just money doesn't rule the world. You know, it's that dark side of Christmas. It's the stool with yeah. the little crotch and there's no one there. And when Marley says humanity was my business. You know? Right, right. And in the original version where, you know, Scrooge is kind of led to see all of the wretched and uh you know dis disavowed people who don't have any kind of hope sort of milling about the ghosts of the of the untended and so it is a moralistic message but i think there's an element to that he's not necessarily saved by his good works he's drawn back from the brink by seeing exactly the darkness in his soul, mm-hmm. which I think is more yeah. maybe evident in the book than a lot right. of the movie yeah. versions that like to skip through to him carrying the big hand and everything. You're right, because, right, you know. Yeah. So I don't think it's a gospel story, but I right. think there's good. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, is, that's well said. Is my thought would be that the good works came out of his salvation. Mm-hmm. You know that his turnaround once he had that salvation experience. You know that's that's when he really starts getting in there and yeah. he becomes you know uh, at the end of the George C Scott one he was better than his word yeah know? yeah he was even better yeah it's interesting it's it's kind of a half conversion because yeah. it reminds me of the prodigal son story where it says and then he came to himself yeah um and then the what the prodigal son story gives in addition to that is right. the reconciliation with the father right and that isn't Dickens right. concerns, so you've got the he does come to himself. Yeah. So he he I think as you guys he recognizes, I think you said it, the darkness in himself. Mm-hmm. The salvation is what put in quotes, it's it's a man, I'm I'm a messed up guy. Yeah. Uh, I'm a pretty wretched right. soul. 
And, and I think that the tricky part is that what's happening to him, the ghost, the supernatural element, is the part that I think as a Christian, you know, like, oh, he's being saved from hell. But I think that, you know, Marley's chains are really metaphorical. Right. You know, I would agree. Dickens is yeah, like, I would agree. Uh, Scrooge is really being saved from being a, a jerk for his entire right. life. Yes. Not necessarily. Yeah. I don't know that Dickens is as concerned about his immortal soul. Right. right. But rather that Marley and the eternal punishment he has is it's never going to leave him because of, of who he, he is in his yeah. heart. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, so one that I actually didn't put on the list, so I'm going to throw this out you oh. out there because I, I was just thinking the Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, Tim good, Burton, great movie. I love it. Um, a fun, a fun movie, a neat movie. You could classify as a Halloween movie sure. or a Christmas movie. Uh, William Hickey that we talked about is the voice of the creepy little professor okay. that sits up yep. in the to the tower. You know, yes. uh, Sally, come here. You know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And since we're just kind of on this, the because it runs incessantly in my house because my child is obsessed with trains. He's three. Uh, the Polar Express. Yes. Oh, yeah. I don't know what yeah. you guys think about this. It's interesting because a lot of the movies we're talking about and even some of the movies in the 80s that are, you know, like I think Lampoon's, like we've talked about, it's not exactly a classic, but it's a movie that everyone kind of knows and right. knows about. But I think there are very few movies of, in the past 10 or 15 years, I say, let's say 10 years, that have really entered into what you would call a Christmas classic. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the the... The Santa Claus movies, you know, the Tim mm-hmm. Allen ones or the, the Grinch, none of these are on the level of have, – have, have achieved something. But weirdly enough, it seems like a pol- the Polar Express has sort of kind of pushed its way through and it's yeah. still around and people mm-hmm. are still watching it. Have you guys seen the movie? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I and saw it. What's surprising to me, it was made at a time when the technology and everything is kind of past – you know, like sure, what was done sure. at the time. You look at it now and it's not – really up to date it shows its age right. and the creepy yeah. kind of chick kids and everything right. but there's something about the movie that I think is really still compelling even outside the train which I think is what the kids latch on to that's an interesting movie because of what it tries to do with the concept of belief and everything and right. sort of uses Santa Claus as a an element in there mm-hmm. but I think there's some interesting stuff going on in yeah. that movie yeah. too yeah. no I, I, I liked it a lot <clears throat> I've seen it maybe two or three times mm-hmm. uh, and some of the kids liked it better than others it's it's got kind of a cool, at times haunting feel. Yeah, it is also yeah. a, a movie that has a darker sort of yeah. edge. Yeah, it does. Um, it does. It's uh, it, which is strange going to the North Pole, but there's a bit of a haunting tone to it. But, they, but I liked it. Yeah, when they get to the North Pole, and it basically is like a German industry town, and right. the, yeah. and the and the elves are marching That's in lockstep, and there's it. this weird idea of well, how is you know like. The, the the elves are kind of living on all these little things. They're like, well, what kind of guy says Santa really? You know, yeah. but you don't really, you know. So uh, there's just a lot of interesting things going on in the movie. But again, the the idea of belief and you know these Christmas movies. It was a belief, believe in what exactly? Right. But right. I think what's interesting is that there's a tension between you know he says, well, do you want to be a doubter? You know, or do you want yeah. to believe for the sake of believing? So there's some interesting things I think about faith, not religious faith per se, right. but just about you know what do you choose to believe in and does believing in something that you cannot see matter, you know? Because yeah, I think it does. Yeah. It's disassociated from Santa Claus a little bit in the film, I think, by the way it's handled. Sure. You know? Yeah, no, that's that's a great point. Yes, and I, can I throw one in just yeah. quick? You can just give a quick... Elf. Where does Elf stand? <laughs> <laughs> it's Will Ferrell, man. It's Bob Newhart's yeah. in it. Bob Newhart, yeah. yeah. Uh, I always felt Elf was just trying too hard. Like, it wanted to come out of the gate as a Christmas classic. I know what you mean. And it just... That's a... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I will say I remember the first time I saw that movie. I was actually late to the, to the gate seeing that. I think it came out uh, was it two thousand four or two thousand three. Two thousand three. Okay, it was uh, two thousand five when I saw it. It was my senior year. Um, they were showing the movie in the campus center at college. 
I can still remember that the part that I just laughed the most at was when Buddy gets hit walking down New York City. <laughs> right. It was just it was just totally unexpected. And it, like I think I was the only guy in the in the room that was just laughing and I could not stop. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was yeah. the best scene yeah. ever. You don't smell like Christmas. You smell like beef and cheese. Yeah. You, you sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness, that's funny. Yeah, I, it's an interesting point. I know what you mean. I liked Elf too. I know what you mean. It it does feel a little bit like a forced classic, um, a sleeper movie to me that a lot of people didn't like. Uh, you guys may or may not have even saw that I liked was Family Man. Um, yeah, this is a good point. You yeah. brought that up. Yeah, yeah, and that to me, I view that as sort of a merging of It's a Wonderful Life and a Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. It is, um, and you know, and I think it is. It, it's funny because when I come up the list, I was like, you know, there's only so many you could mention because you mentioned right. everything. Thing about Family Man, it's an underrated movie, I yeah. think, and it, it was directed by Brett Ratner, who I don't know has actually made another movie I like. Interesting, but um, he did like the third X Men movie and, yeah. the, and the Rush Hour movies, and okay. just not the kind of guy you would associate with that particular movie. Yeah, and now the oh, soulless, hollow shell that has become Nicolas Cage. Like, like if yeah. you go back, yeah. <laughs> like he, someone needs he needs a Christmas Carol. Right, right. right. The three, the three, the, 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 the that would be great. The Nicholas Cage of present, the Nicholas <laughs> yes. Cage, Cage yeah. of Christmas past. Yes. You know, the, the, the raising Arizona guy comes to meet the guy who's in <laughs> who's in Left, left Behind. behind. Yeah. <laughs> so, but there is an element to Cage, the old Cage, yeah. you know, who, when he was still an actor, that kind of does harken back to Jimmy Stewart a little bit, and they yeah. kind of play that in a Family. But the interesting thing about Family Man is kind of what it's going for where it's the two roads to Virgin Wood where he has one life yeah. that's successful for all the reasons we deem it to be successful and a life where he has things that he didn't think he even wanted. Yeah. And uh, I think the way they do it is really interesting and really neat and uh, it's a good, it's, it's, it's an underrated movie. I was, I saw it, remember, because it came out like Christmas time. And yeah, I remember watching it um, right here at the Regal Theater in Bel Air and it, um, uh, Thinking, oh, this is going to be you know a hit, and it wasn't. It, yeah, it I know it was. Yeah. It was a sleeper. It's it's still yeah. on from time to time. We we like it a great deal. Yeah. I mean, there's some. Uh, I don't know why. Like I've quoted him sometimes when I'm uh, feeling a little middle age crisis ish. <laughs> um, when he's in the mall and he's he wants to buy like a fourteen hundred dollars <laughs> suit. And he, right. He's a tire salesman, basically. Right. You know, and you know Taya Leone, who I think did a great job in that movie as his wife, just saying, you know, Jack. What are you talking about? That's fourteen hundred dollars, and and he's kind of throws a little tantrum. Fine, whatever. Yeah, I'll buy my cheap JC Penny suit. And she goes, "Come on, Jack, let's let's, let's go in the food court. We'll we'll get you one of those funnel cakes." And he just says, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get a funnel cake. That'll be the highlight of my week." <laughs> um, so we have quoted. I have quoted that line sometimes when Lisa says, "Let's do something," and I. I sort of pout that way. So. <laughs> the, one of the things I thought was really interesting, uh, the moment that I really remember clearly Family Man, and I hope I'm not like spoiling too much, but you know, he basically, through a supernatural means, yeah. comes comes into this life that is a life he would have had had he gone with this woman and sort yes. of going after things that really in his heart as opposed to things he thought he wanted or yeah. that everyone told him he wanted. And so he spends some time there, and then eventually he kind of comes back out of it, I believe. Yeah. And yeah. there's a weird part where he and maybe I'm remembering this wrong because I think I only saw it once or twice, but he basically comes back to and sees his little girl at some point. But at this point, I think he's... And she's like, well, where did daddy go? You right, know, She right. doesn't even recognize him anymore. You're right. Like, like, she knows that there's a stranger living in yeah. her dad's skin. Yeah, because she asked him, are you an alien? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I thought that's an interesting thing because if you've ever been to that moment, like the middle age crisis thing, where you you want to live... You're, you're, you're seeing one life in the distance and you're not living the life you're in. You know, are you an alien in right. your own skin or an alien yeah. in your own family? So, yeah. yeah. Good. No, that's good. Um, while you were sleeping, 
That's another one that actually... Is that a you Christmas t- movie? Yeah, it's a Thanksgiving Christmas? movie. You, they, uh, Thanksgiving, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, but it kind of bridges into that Christmas, New Year time frame. Uh-huh, yeah. Because of the, the time. Next year you're going to be talking place. about Love Actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, I saw that recently on a Christmas list. I thought, that's not a Christmas It is. But it, it technically is. is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And there are some good things to it. And there's some... <laughs> the best... Yeah. Have you guys seen the movie? I haven't, actually. Uh, but if, you can go ahead if and you could just you If you can just YouTube all the scenes with Bill Nighy as the... Uh, the drunken kind of Mick Jagger-esque rock star yeah. who takes uh, some kind of horrible pop song and turns it into uh, a Christmas song. And it, sure. he, he's just a complete bumbling mess. And uh, if you probably on YouTube, they've condensed all the scenes. You watch that. <laughs> yeah, know. right, right. Nice. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Nice. Um, well, we are uh, winding down on oh. time, but there's two more that I want to uh, hit. Yep. Um, Miracle on 34th Street. How do we miss that? Yeah, yeah okay. wow, classic. Uh, well, I was actually saving them for last. Oh, okay. So, yeah. yep, Miracle on 34th Street. Like both versions. The nice. old version, and I, I I, I can't believe that I cannot remember the name of the actor who played the original Santa Claus. Oh, oh, yeah. What I loved about him was sort of the kind of just the abrasive, you know, he did capture the abrasive kind of grumpy Santa yeah. act, mm-hmm. element to the character. And he had the sweetness, I think, when Richard Attenborough played him, which was coming off of Jurassic Park. Yeah. He yes. had, he was a much more, just like he did with John Hammond, he was a much more gentle, yes. more sort of almost sad kind of character. Then, but the old one, I you know, I, I could see how he'd beat a man with a cane. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> yes. it's a good, they're yeah. both good movies, I think, in different ways. I, I prefer the old movie, but they do capture that kind of wonder, yeah. childlike wonder that kind of, comes with the Christmas ambiance. Yeah. I will say for Joy and I, um, we watch that and her and I differ on this because she really likes the, the idea and the concept of in the old one, how he's able to speak German to the little girl. I prefer that he's able to do the sign language. Oh, and part yeah, of it is right. I feel cool. like, I feel like the Richard Attenborough character had a much more tender moment in that scene and where the other one just kind of rushed into it and, you know, Oh yeah, I can do this. No problem. Where, you know, Richard Attenborough seemed like, you know, just, just that look on his face and that compassion that he had. Um, I thought he brought that to that character, which I really liked. Yeah. The thing for me that I didn't quite buy in the, the remake was the mm-hmm. end where that, you know, in the old one, they do the letters to Santa Claus, which, sure. which the Simpsons spoofed beautifully when they had, you know, they had Homer <laughs> on trial for going to the buffet and eating all these, <laughs> bring in how many shrimps from Mr. But you know, I think in the, in the remake, it's sort of, right. they do the, in God we trust. Right. And it's like, that's, you guys were, you know, you kind of forced it. It doesn't. It doesn't quite work. The yeah. Same way. The uh, actor in the original one, it's fun to look this up on IMDb. Boy, this is shocking. Uh, it was uh, Edmund Gwen. Yeah. And uh, it's weird to see. You're, um, you, you, know, you type in an actor today, whomever, you know, Ryan Gosling, uh, right. Angelina Jolie, and you see their birthdays. 1877 to 1959 was wow. his lifespan, uh, which is died at 81. And I didn't re- – yeah, uh, so the original was 1947. Yeah. Uh, which originally wasn't um, – put out at christmas i believe it wasn't actually intended to be necessarily a christmas movie from what i understand even though it's called miracle on 34th street it came out in july i think is that right i know the other one was positioned the remake was positioned it came out like the the thanksgiving holiday right but i think the original if i remember correctly was was a july release or something like that Interesting. I'm going to try to find that out. Uh, and back then in the 40s, though, too, I think one of the issues that we don't think about, um, there's a website called The Numbers, I think, uh, 
which is shows the box office for all the movies always going back, and they show mm-hmm. the release schedule. And we forget that in the 40s, you maybe would have had 10 movies that came out in a year. You know, we're not yeah. talking about the kind of schedule. So a movie like that might come out in July, and it would still be playing in theaters come uh, Christmas come time. Christmas, yeah. That's a good point. Uh, while Greg's looking that up and double-checking it, I'm going to lump all of these movies into one, and that is the uh, Rankin and Bass Claymation Christmas <laughs> movies. Oh, my goodness, the, yeah. The Christmas Claymation, the yes. uh, musical section with yes, all the, the yes. California raisins and yes. The, yes. the dancing walruses and uh, yes. the, the, the two dinosaurs that were little Siskel and Ebertish. <laughs> yes. uh, Yes. Yes. Um, I mean, I know for me, one of, uh, you know, Santa Claus is coming to town, um, still one that I'll sit down and watch. And, you know, I don't even have small kids. Right, um, right. Little Drummer Boy. You know, they're all ones that I just, I, I you know, nostalgia. Which which one had uh, Mr. Uh, Heat Miser? That was Santa Claus is coming okay. to town. Yes. That rocked it when I was a kid, man. So there's one. And I'm, I'm always the weird kid who found the ones that, you know, like the uh, – the Leprechaun's Christmas or something right, where right. they had yeah. to fight a banshee for their gold. I don't, know what <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it had to do with Christmas. But then there was The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus. Does anyone remember this? Yeah, where he was found by the forest people, right? So it's, it is based on a book, and I'm trying to remember who wrote it, but it is a very Tolkien-esque sort of thing. Like, he's discovered by the immortals. Yes. Like, he's by talking lions and, like, tree elves and stuff. Yes. And he goes to a town where, a little, like, industry town where he makes, like, toys for all the impoverished kids, but the demons and trolls that live right. in the mountain don't like this. So the movie ends with this big fantasy battle where Santa Claus has to call on his elven friends to, like, fight the trolls yes. and the ogres. Yeah. And they're, like, murdering each other. Like, claymation yes. and murder. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> it goes together so well. And at the end, I think they elevate him to immortal yes. status. He, yeah. he dies. That's the decision that they're coming together is whether or not to make him an immortal or not. Yes. Greg, you might remember this. Do you remember Santa Claus the movie? It was called Santa Claus the movie. It was like a complete – John Lithgow was in it and – Oh, uh, the guy from Arthur. Um, uh, Dudley Moore? Dudley Moore. Yeah. Dudley Moore was an elf who had gone yes. to see. Oh, yes, yes. I remember that. Yes. Yes. It, was, it, was, it was aimed to be this big hit. You know, they had lunchboxes right. and stuff with it. But the movie was awful. But yeah. the first, I think, five or ten, it's one of those movies that has a beautiful opening scene where Santa Claus is this kind of woodland toy maker who's making toys for the kids that live down the village. And he gets off the path with his wife and the and the reindeer and freezes to death in the snow. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. And well. then the elves find him and sort of renew him and bring him in, and that's how he becomes Santa Claus. You're like, wow, that was a very strange and kind of touching right. opening, and then, you know, it fell apart. <laughs> wow. I, I got to say, Nathan Bell, you are good, man. May 2nd, 1947. Nice. You were right. Came out in May 2nd. Strange. Go. A Santa Claus. Yeah. Ca- it's... But yeah, it shows they just sort of treated it as a standalone story that could come out any time. See, what happens when you listen to the commentaries. That's yeah, right. that's right. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, Nathan gets all this great insight, man. Oh, boy. This is good. Yeah. Um, and then the last one that – because so many, and I'm sure we're going to get tons of listeners. Why didn't you mention this one? Why didn't you mention this one? Uh, Ernest Saves Christmas. Oh, <laughs> the classic, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I thought about putting it on the list, yeah. and I think I think Ernest Saves Christmas might have been the first one to use the Santa sleigh, the S L A Y. Yes, yes. right, um, right. 
it's a slam dunk into the comfort zone for me because I mean, there's nothing about that. I don't even know if it's technically a movie. Yeah, but, um, I mean, it's the, it's Jim Varney just sort of mugging right. in the camera and just ridiculously bottom of the barrel. But it's the same with Ernest Scared Stupid. The one right, where right, he, like, right. He Ernest Earth, goes to Earth jail. Earth can't fight the trolls. So funny. I yeah. can't look away. Yeah. So funny. Yeah. It's I, like a, a rubbernecking experience. I recommend it, but with the warning, I haven't seen it in a long time. It's yeah. one of those movies that you just kind of. You absorb the silliness of it. I yeah. remember at some point he put the rocket boosters on yeah. the sleigh. Yeah, I right, think, right. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. guys, this has been so much fun. Great fun. Thank you, Nathan. Yes, thank yeah, you. Thank and, you, guys. Um, Thanks for. Uh, you know, to our listeners, we decided that we weren't going to put a specific time limit, so we're just over an hour on this one, hour and thirteen minutes. So, uh, hope you enjoy it, Nathan. Thanks again for coming. We definitely want to have you on at some point. Um, near the future down the road uh, for absolutely. movies again because uh, hey we love movies and we, we love do. talking about them so absolutely we're gonna go ahead and sign off now we just rock the Casper jingle all the way style yes Merry Christmas <laughs>